This episode is brought to you by Truth Table. Pre-order Truth Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation at truthstable.com. This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by Waterbrook, an imprint of Penguin Random House. Visit Waterbrook at waterbrookmultanoma.com and Unbossed and Black Girls Unbossed by Christy Lauren Adams, published by Broadleaf Books and Beaming Books, celebrating the leadership of Black women and girls then and now. Learn more at christylaurenadams.com. Hey y'all, it's Akemini. Welcome to Truth Table. I am so excited to introduce this next series to y'all. This State of the Black Church series has really been a joy. And I'm excited for the next topic on the table, which is worship. I mean, what would the Black Church be without worship? Uh, And we thought we had to bring some heavy hitters to the table to talk to us about the significance of worship and what Black worship is in the Black Church. And so Uh, I'm excited for you all to watch these interviews, to learn and to glean. Oh my goodness. Be ready to shout. Be ready to praise y'all. We are so blessed by who came to the table. So myself and Christina are joined by Dr. Teresa Hairston, Chris House, Dr. Judith McAllister, and Dr. Emmett Price. So this episode of Truth Table is uh, a combination of two interviews, okay, together. And so the first interview you will hear is our interview, or watch actually, is our interview with Chris House and Dr. Teresa Harrison. We hope that you're blessed by this conversation. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? I'm doing okay today. You know, we had a little bit of the... Um... Them technology demons, you know that 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 kind of stopped what we what we got going on today, but not today, not today, devil. Okay, today we had we are we are going to do this interview, and I am very excited oh, about I'm it. How are you today? Great. Now that we done bound up the technology demons, <laughs> that's right. So I am I am great. I'm so happy that we are still in our state of the Black Church series, and today we are talking about worship. That is what's on the table. But let me tell you who's at the table with us. Okay. All right. Yes, all right. let the people know. We have Chris House and Dr. Teresa Hairston at the table to talk about worship with us, y'all. And just in case you don't know who they are, let me tell you a little something about them and we will jump into our conversation. Chris House is a multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, worship leader, producer, and podcaster native of Hampton, Virginia. He is married to Shanika Vale House. They are the proud parents of three beautiful children, Reagan, Rianne, and Rain House. As a 2002 music education graduate of Hampton University, he currently serves as creative arts director and worship leader at the City Life Church, a multicultural church in Newport News, Virginia. He is a member of the International Worship Team, for the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship. As a stellar award-winning songwriter, he's written songs for Rashawn Mitchell, Earl Bynum, and the Mount Unity Choir, Bishop Rudolph McKissick, the Full Gospel Baptist Church Mass Choir, and Maverick City Music. He is currently featured on J.J. Harrison's album, No Turning Back, on a song entitled I Am Thankful. In 2014, Chris released his debut album, Sing Jesus Live, which debuted at number 34 on the Billboard and can be found on all digital music outlets. Not only is Chris a passionate worshiper and musician, he is also a strong advocate for diversity in the body of Christ and social justice equality. When diversity is 
celebrated, unity is established, and harmony is fulfilled. Worship is the bridge that unifies us. Let's meet on the bridge. And last but not least, Dr. Teresa Harrison is an internationally known and respected pioneer in the field of gospel music and ministry. In 1989, she established Gospel Today magazine, a publication she launched with an investment of only $300 while working two jobs as a single divorced mother to three young children. Over the 23 plus years of her leadership, she retired in 2013 and passed the magazine on to her son. Gospel Today grew to become the longest running and most widely distributed urban Christian lifestyle magazine in history. In 1994, Dr. Hairston founded the Gospel Heritage Foundation. Each year, thousands of people come from across the world to attend GHF's annual International Worship Summit, which has become the genre's leading praise and worship gathering. In 2017, she relinquished her leadership and passed the torch to international gospel artist Vashon Mitchell. Dr. Harrison is currently based in Atlanta, Georgia, where she serves as an ordained elder, preacher, and teacher at Changing a Generation Full Gospel Baptist Church. Bishop Paul Morton is a senior pastor. She is a certified John Maxwell coach and primarily works as a publishing coach, consultant, and ghostwriter. She also hosts a weekly TV show, Higher Impact, which which airs on the Impact TV network. Welcome to the table, Dr. Harrison. Welcome back to the table, Dr. Harrison. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. See, take it away, girl. (laughs) Well, well, again, I'm excited to have both um, Chris and Dr. Harrison with us today. And I, uh, I, what I want to do is start with just some broad questions, if you don't mind, the educator in me. So this, this part of our series is on the topic of worship. And, you know, I have a strong bias. I want to be clear about that. I believe that God made Black people with... uh, all people with intention, but I do believe the Lord wanted some black worship yeah. in glory. <laughs> and so I think there is something uniquely beautiful about the African-American and diasporic tradition. And uh, so that's my bias. I'm putting that on the table right now. But I would love for you all to share with us what what do you associate with as the signatures uh, or the the, the foundational makeup, the scaffolding of what makes makes Black worship to the Lord what it is. Chris, you go first. Uh, no, I was passing it to you. Okay, well, you know, I think it's important that we look at um, the fact that God made us because he, he loved the relationship he had with his Come son. On. And then he said, well, I'm going to make some more and I'm going to love them so uh, completely that they will worship me. They will come to me for everything. They will find their their life, their joy, their peace. Everything is Mm. in me. And so our worship is just the acknowledgement of the fact that everything we need, everything we are is because of God. And so this becomes life. Worship life. is life. It's not just music. So what happens in our uh, very unique experience as African descendant people is that we came through some different experiences, some slave experiences, some challenging experiences mm-hmm. that have marked our people have changed the way we express 
And our worship is simply our expression that God has allowed us to survive all of this. When you go through this kind of trauma, you 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 express mm-hmm. differently than a than a race of people or a uh, ethnicity of people who never experienced that kind of thing. So from generations to ethnicities, our worship is our expression to our God that mm-hmm. we find everything we need in Him. And Chris, what would you say? What would you mm-hmm. add to that about kind of the the features of of black worship? I think for for black worship, I, I'm I'm a musician, so to me, everything is associated a lot with sound. And for every, I guess, um, feeling or emotion, there is a sound attached to it. We know our God to be a liberator. He, he's come to set the captives free. Um, even what He did for when He sent Jesus on the cross, um, it liberated us. A lot of Jesus' ministry was about liberating people. And for us as black people, we carry uh, the heart and I believe the sound mm-hmm. of liberation because of what Dr. Harris, uh, Harrison alluded to, um, what we've gone through as a people coming, being being taken from our native land in mm-hmm. Africa and brought here to America uh, for free slave labor. We have a sound of liberation, but not also with that sound of liberation. It's a sound of travail. It's a sound of struggle, but also a sound mm-hmm. of freedom. And mm-hmm. when we and when we gather together, mm-hmm. and everybody brings their separate experiences, and that sound is raised. I mean, it's something unique. Um, that I can I can tell you that I've been liberated, but when you can hear that I've been mm-hmm. liberated, I think it it goes mm-hmm. a little deeper. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, and you can see it, but when you can hear it, there are certain things that stick with you. You may have seen it, but I think it sticks longer with you when you hear it. Just like we mm-hmm. learn uh, most of the the songs, the scriptures we know, mm-hmm. we've learned them from yeah. songs. The mm-hmm. songs have been able, that's what's, what's rooted us and in, in really cemented it in our hearts. So with us, with Black worship, it's like we carry a certain sound that the world needs. The mm. world needs the sound of Black liberated yeah. worshipers. So, amen, amen. Mm. Oh my goodness. This is such a rich conversation. You know, I it, it has me actually wondering, not just beyond just the features, but... I'm curious about if from you all's vantage point, do you have you seen a change in uh, uh, black worship and go- black gospel music? Now, I came, I got saved um, in early 2000s. So it was still like the cusp of the 90s. Like to me, that was really when the, it was real oily. Let's just say it felt very oily, the gospel music back then. <laughs> Have you all observed a difference or a change in um, Black gospel music? And if so, what do you think is the um, precipitated or caused that change? And is it a good change, a bad change, or it's just, uh, you know, it's something that we are observing. I'm just curious. I know I tr- threw out a lot there, but can you talk to me about the changes in the gospel? No, We're going fine. through some changes, I feel. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm curious about that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a conversation that me and my musician and worship leader friends have been having for years. And probably my take on it, it may be a li- little different, um, but I believe I don't think that it's necessarily changed for the bad. I think that it's been able to uh, broaden its horizons and be exposed to a wider group of people. Now, with that, there are some black gospel artists. There are some people who. Yes, have changed their style to fit with the 
contemporary Christian style to be more popular, to be to be more accepted. Yes, that has happened. But I don't think as a whole, per se, that that's the case. People are saying choirs are dead. I don't believe that to be true. Choirs are still alive and well. People still have choirs. Choir music is still great. However, um, this is a deeper conversation that probably Dr. Dr. T could, could speak to is that as Black Christians and consumers and lovers of gospel music, we have to support our gospel music uh, artists. And I'm not talking about just listening. We have to buy their music. We have to buy it for it to be uh, elevated to that level of, of platform for people to be more exposed yeah. to it. Um, so I don't think, again, I don't think that it's changed for the bad. I think that we have had an opportunity to expand our reach. Um, we have a lot of gospel artists now who have a wide variety of mm-hmm. presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people, it, so everybody is not going to have a choir robe on. Everybody's not going to have a Hammond organ, but you'll have a Jonathan McReynolds who mm-hmm. is Kojic born and bred, but plays with an acoustic guitar. And he has yes. a whole nother reach, even with Chandler Moore, mm-hmm. now with Maverick City Music. Chandler is mm-hmm. Pentecostal to the bone, but he plays an acoustic guitar. And now, and now our very unique gospel influence, rich harmonies, lyrical content, now that's being exposed to a demographic of mm. people that would have never been able to, to, to uh, would have never experienced it. And it all points back to our roots as black Christians and gospel music. So I don't think that it's necessarily changed for the better, for the, for the worse. I think it's changing for the better. Um, but I think people would probably need to maybe expose their, um, their level of thinking a little bit and not just be so boxed in that gospel music is not just for us. Mm-hmm. It's for the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm convinced. If it is right, I'm convinced. full witness. Yeah. Doc, doc, yeah. Dr. Harrison, I would love to hear you um, yeah. add to that and share just from your um, your your many years um, through the tradition and changes within Black gospel music. When we talk about the industry and the ministry, those are two different things. So there's an industry and there's a ministry, and there are two different you know two different goals, two different rule books. But what we have in the industry, we still have great talents and great gifts and. We got millions and millions of people who have who have um, been blessed by gospel music that they should support. And I, I agree with Chris. There's there's no shortage of great artistry and diversity in gospel. There is a challenge when it comes to how we market it, how we sell it through, because our churches have to understand they are still the core in terms of helping us to embrace gospel music. So when the church embraces it and begins to promote it, that's how we made it in the beginning. That's how Thomas Dorsey made it in the beginning. When churches started embracing him and singing his songs and singing his music, that's when he gospel music really took off. Em, do you know what's really important for the success of Black books? Oh, I sure do. That pre-order action. That's we right. We want to make sure everybody knows that if you want to support Black publishers, Black books, Black authors, y'all come on out here and pre-order mm-hmm. this book. Yes, y'all. Pre-order Truth Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation at truthtable.com or wherever books are sold. 
often a pushback, right, about sometimes about the content of the of theology, right, within the worship songs and, you know, like, oh, they're just, we're just saying this mm-hmm. one, one line, looping it around, looping it around. And so, you know, there's some critiques, you know, about uh, maybe not having enough theology in there or maybe sometimes maybe having too much. Can we can you all talk to us about mm-hmm. um, the sound of of gospel and the content of it? And even what the inspiration of it is as songwriters, how do we, how do you ensure that there's enough content or how do you decide, how do you make this the decision? Where is the line? How do you determine that? Well, as both you all are both writers, songwriters. And- yeah, it, it can be a little, it can be a thin line because as a songwriter, you don't want to say too much, uh, but at the same time, you don't want to say too little. Um, you don't want to make it so confusing that people have to have a thesaurus to figure out what you're trying to say. <laughs> um, you want to make it simple so people can sing. And that's the, that's another part of a uh, great, um, uh, I guess, uh, attribute of gospel music is that it's easy, it's easy yeah. to sing and you can hear it one time through yeah. and you can sing it and regurgitate it and it sticks with you. So you have to make it simple, but yeah, make it complex enough. Um, when people ask me the, the question about uh, lyrics being repetitive, I always go to Ooh. scripture. Bible says there are angels around the throne and they're saying yeah. one lyric all day long. Holy, holy, holy. They say it. It's continuous and they never get tired of it. So if heaven never gets tired of hearing that one lyric, why should we get tired of hearing a repetitive lyric in our songs? For me, I think there's so much power in the repetition. When you repeat lyrics over and over again, each time you repeat it, it often gives you another revelation of what you're saying. And when you receive that revelation, you respond to that. So you go from glory to glory to glory. It's like there's power in the repetition. There are times when things need to be repeated over and over and over and over again. And then there are times when you, need to say it one, one, you only need to say it one time and get off of it. But there's so much power in that repetition. Um, we talked about the Pentecostal experience. A lot of what we experience in the Pentecostal church, those moves and waves of God come when we um, rest in a moment um, and we're in a moment of repetition and we just let the atmosphere, we keep repeating those things and different people receive a revelation from it. And then the lady over there, she, Mm -hmm. she, she remembers Mm -hmm. what God did. And then the kids, Mm -hmm. they remember, and then the choir member remembers. But if we just said it two or three times, we wouldn't have a loud space for that that repetition creates opportunity for memory. And when you remember what God has done, you, it causes your body to respond. And so our song, that's the power of gospel music. It's simple at times, but even in its simplicity, when it's rooted in scripture and you repeat those lyrics, you can't go wrong with, with, with yeah. scripture. Like you, you can't go wrong with repeating scripture. So if your song is, is based in, is biblically based, I mean, Hey, you can't go wrong with that, but, yeah, there's power in, in, in that, repetition, yeah, that repetition, for sure. Yeah, let me, I, I agree. I amen that. And let me just say that, um, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John told the same story. Mm-hmm. They told a story of, of uh, the same man, four different perspectives of the same story. So we, we have different perspectives, but it, it is the same mm-hmm. story. So, you know, we're not making up something new. We're just finding new ways to express it. And sometimes those ways go back and replicate. If you really 
study gospel music, you will find that there are songs like Thomas Whitfield. You no, know, we were just talking uh, when we were offline about Rosetta Tharp, who did this song called Up Above My Head. And years later, after she was gone to glory, Thomas Whitfield did another version. And so many other choirs have sung the same mm-hmm. lyric. Jesus is mine, John P. Key and Florida Mass. And so many, you know, we we love the scripture and how it unfolds, but every generation hears it and expresses it differently. So you will hear mm-hmm. repetition. You know, I, I, I would love to hear from you, both of you, what, what voices are you going to right now for uh, your own um, your own devotion time? If you were thinking, if you were to go to put a song on, if you would t- talk to Alexa, you know, what would you be requesting? And it doesn't have to be something contemporary, but I'm just curious about some of your go tos. Yeah. And we we know that there are so many people who right now are in a a, a dry land. Um, they are yeah. uh, spiritually thirsty and exhausted and isolated. And I and I'm with you on that, Chris. I think there is power in that in that that meditational moment that is what you're describing mm-hmm. uh, of of being still. Although although it could although it could be lively and loud, there's still a stillness that's happening, uh-huh. even in the yes. midst of what somebody outside may not understand. <laughs> uh, and God is yeah. staring up our memories, and God is staring up our devotions, and uh, and all of those beautiful things that you both just described are happening for us. Because I'm curious, what, what are you telling Alexa to play for you right now? It depends on the day and depends on on the time. Um, for me, it's a little different for me. And this is what I'll explain. As you read in the bio, I'm at a multicultural church. So I'm not in a in a in a in an all black space. Um so musically, uh, there are some things that I have that that I do that aren't all the way gospel centered. Um, you know, you have to stay progressive with what's happening and you have a multiple, you know, people that you have to make sure that you touch in the worship encounter. So right now, for me as a worship leader, I'm going back to a lot of the foundational things that helped me in my journey when I first started becoming a, a worship leader. So my go-tos are, I mean, I'm, as y'all, y'all know, I'm a full gospel baby. So I grew up with Byron Cage and Bishop William Murphy and Judy McAllister, um, um, all of that stuff. So I'm going back the early Dietrich Haddon stuff. Like I'm going real back to those things and the songwriter in me, I'm listening to Thomas Whitfield and the whinings a whole lot and commission because they, their stuff was so um, well-written the artistry of it, the, 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 the poetic nature of it, but it was so before it's time. I mean, the stuff Thomas Whitfield wrote, the stuff the Thomas were doing, it was so before his time. Like that, Lord, I'm available to you. Uh, Jesus mm-hmm. rose, all of that stuff. People are always talking about how they crucified my yeah. Lord. Like, like you know, <laughs> if you don't know by now, yeah. Jesus rose. Like, I mean, all of that stuff. So those are the, I'm going back to those foundational things, the, the simple stuff, just to get you back centered. Because with all the craziness that's going on in the world, like now we need to get back to that place. Like we're, can you get back to the place where you first found Jesus when he first found when he first that first encounter? So now I'm in a place where I'm always kind of chasing that first encounter all over again. 
Um, yeah, so that's me. <laughs> yeah, I feel you, um, Chris. It's like, depending on what you need at the time, you will, you will, you know, go find a worship song or a hallelujah anyhow by Thomas Whitfield or a, um, a, a Hezekiah Walker, you know, choir song. I need you. You need me. You know, all of those kind of things. And I think, um, it's so so wonderful that we have so much to choose from, and and so I just you know I love worship. I love worship, but I love all styles and all expressions. So you know, sometimes if I'm working out or walking, I may listen to some upbeat you know stuff. If 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 I'm just at home and I just want to just meditate, it may be you know just a worship song. Todd Delaney, um, you know, it it just depends. So. I, but there's plenty of stuff to choose from. That's the good part. Yeah, and I, I want to add to that, too. Um, I, I don't know if he'll ever hear this. Hopefully he will. But somebody who I want to bring recognition to is J.J. Harrison. Mm. This is the reason why I want to talk about mm-hmm. J.J. J.J., I think, to me, this is my personal opinion, I think that J.J. should be in the same category as um, the people who, like, change the sound of gospel music. You talk about Kirk Franklin. You know, we talk about Israel Houghton. I think we've got to talk about J.J. Because what J.J. did, he made it cool for choir the choir sound to be sung by praise and worship teams. He took that. He said, we can do both. You don't have to be one or the other. He made it cool for choirs, big, huge choirs to sing praise and worship material. So he would take Judy McAllister stuff and make it. Profit, you know, make it palatable for a choir. I mean, he has yeah. albums full of that stuff that I go back to now listening yeah. to that stuff. I'm like, JJ, like, dude, you were before your time. I don't think people give him the recognition that he's due, but he helped change mm. the sound of Sunday morning. I think yeah, he really did. He really did. He probably won't really say that, but he really changed the sound of gospel music. He made it easy for choir members and the worship team to be to meet at that bridge and come together and create a corporate mm-hmm. sound that everybody could wow. sing that could relate to. The mic yeah. singers could do it mm-hmm. and the choir singers could do it. Like everybody could sing JJ stuff. Mm-hmm. Even now, it's still the same way. So that's one person know, I got to shout out. Yeah. And that that's a very very important observation. And I think one of one of the things that that underscores is practitioners are the most powerful people in this in this genre, because we still practice what we do every week, and we still touch people. It, you know, a lot of other genres they're in studios, and mm. you know they're creating mm. stuff that is marketable, is commercial. But we are still a genre that's very unique. And we need to say this about gospel music and about our expression. We're still in the people business mm-hmm. and in the ministry to the heart business, in the, the, the touching people with love, with joy, with all of the, you know, we're, we're meeting needs mm-hmm. with the music. We're not just making mm-hmm. it to make okay. money. So I think that's very, very key about this genre and and another reason why it needs more support not just from our community but we need to tell our story outside of our community we need to tell it you know on the movie screens and all over so that you know our stories and our JJ Harrisons and our Chris Houses become those go-to people for the majority industry yeah absolutely right and you know and especially in this yeah. time 
a pandemic where people are still worshiping, you know, online. I know I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm having to worship um, virtually just, you know, Chris, your, both of your points just about um, uh, Hairston as, you know, um, being a change maker and the way that he's made choir music accessible for praise and worship leaders. That's really huge right now. That's a big deal. <laughs> That's not a small thing because choirs have not been able to get together in the ways that, you know, they did prior to the pandemic, you know, and some of that is changing now and shifting, but, but still, so yeah, that's a, that's a really uh, poignant point, particularly given our time, our current time in in history, if you will. Well, I want to thank you both Dr. Hairston and Chris House for sitting at the table with us this week. Uh, thank you so much for your expertise and your insights. Wow. What a powerful, powerful conversation. Did not our hearts burn within us? Okay. Uh, I want to thank, of course, thank you to Dr. Teresa Harrison and Chris House for sitting at the table with us. Well, I'm excited for you all to hear our second um, interview from our our next guest. Oh my goodness. We were truly blessed uh, by the words preached (laughs) by these dear brothers and sisters uh, in the Lord. So get ready, y'all, to run, to shout. My goodness, you are in for a blessing, a double blessing, right? The blessing that you got from um, hearing Dr. Teresa Harrison and Chris House. And now uh, we want to prepare you to be blessed to hear uh, from Dr. Judith McAllister and Dr. Emmett Price. Enjoy. Welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? I'm doing good. You know, the people who are going to be listening don't know this, but I am wearing polka dots and you know how I feel about polka dots. <laughs> Yeah, how do you feel about polka dots? Just in case our guests don't know. You know, I I love polka dots. I love patterns. I love color. And you know, I want all black women to wear as much color as they want and patterns as they want. I want them to, uh, you know, take up space with their aesthetic. So how how are you doing today? They don't know that you are wearing a lovely white today. So tell us about that. Oh my goodness. I am so hyped, y'all. I am wearing white. I, first of all, I rarely wear white because I can't keep it clean. But you know, because of our guests, I was like, you know what? Holiness is still right. I'm going to wear white. <laughs> so we got some special guests, y'all. This ain't a game. Look, y'all, I even got my lap cloth, okay? I'm true to this. I'm true to this, okay? Oh, not, not, not embroidery. My goodness. Okay, this is real black church right here. Okay, look. <laughs> Y'all, we are in the State of the Black Church series, our worship series still. And oh my goodness, we are joined by Dr. Emmett G. Price and Dr. Judith McAllister. Welcome to the table, y'all. Hey, thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much for being. <laughs> you all are hilarious. <laughs> We're having a great time. Oh, this is amazing. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. We'd be cutting up. Y'all weren't ready. We'd be cutting up. <laughs> oh, my goodness, y'all. I am just, I'm so excited. Just in case you don't know who Dr. Price and Dr. McAllister is, let me tell you a little something about our guests, okay? 
Dr. Emmett G. Price III is an internationally recognized expert on Black music and culture, Afro-diasporic sacred and secular expressions, and Christian worship. A native of Los Angeles, California, Dr. Price is the inaugural dean of African Africana Studies at Berkeley College of Music, Boston Conservatory at Berkeley, and a visiting associate professor of music at Harvard University. An acclaimed scholar and well-published author, he is also the founding president and CEO of the Black Christian Experience Resource Center. A celebrated keynote speaker and preacher, he is the founding pastor of Community of Love Christian Fellowship in the Alston neighborhood of Boston, Massachusetts. He is also a co-executive producer and co-host of the very popular All Revved Up podcast. Welcome to the table, Dr. Price. <laughs> hey, thank, thank, thank you for blessing me with the eulogy while Stop. I'm still alive. Yeah, we Hallelujah. <laughs> We will, we will give you your flowers while you yet live. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, Dr. Judith McAllister, without question, is one of the most influential music industry leaders of our time. Born in Harlem, New York, the Grammy-nominated choir director, songwriter, producer, author, and Oral Roberts University scholar is most noted as being one of the forerunners of the praise and worship mo movement within the African-American church. With a career span of over 30 years, Dr. J's fingerprints can be found on the hearts and lives of worship leaders and worshipers everywhere. Dr. J's music alone has broken social and racial barriers in the church as her signature songs like Oh Give Thanks and To Our God, I'm not going to sing it, although I was tempted, <laughs> can be heard around the world in multiracial Sunday morning worship services. As director of music, worship arts, and liturgy, Dr. McAllister faithfully serves West Angeles under the leadership of presiding Bishop Emeritus, Bishop Charles E. Blake Sr. Welcome to the table, Dr. Judith McAllister. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I, I am here. I'm hearing the song in my head right now. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to hold, hold back. back. <laughs> I'm going to hold back. So, 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 um, Again, y'all know we are just tickle pink to have you both here to learn from you today and to introduce you uh, to the people who listen to the Truth Table podcast. And um, and one of the things that I know about being around uh, wor worshipers and worship leaders is that they oftentimes give me a definition of worship that is that is so much deeper and broader than what I what I typically think worship is. And so mm -hmm. I, I would like for us just to start the conversation right there. Um, who people who have um you're not professional worshipers, you're worshipers of the Lord, yeah. but you have a unique vantage point in leading people. Would you would you both tell us your definition of what is worship? Sure. Well I'll 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 jump in really quickly because I, I want to pull out my pen and paper to take notes when Dr. McAllister you know, Oh no 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 see I beat, <laughs> I beat you. <laughs> see I, I define worship as engaging with God and not just engaging with God, but on the principles and the manner which God has made possible. So that God is the great creator and has and created us to worship our God in spirit and in truth. So God makes it possible, but God also gives us statutes and gives us um, rules and gives us, you know, uh, nomenclature and gives us rubrics by which we worship. And so really worship is about being obedient to what God has called us to do in the way and in the manner that God has called us to do it. So, so Dr. Christine, I love the fact that you uh, in, in your preface suggested 
that worship is bigger than just a 20 minute yeah. music set. That is, yeah. is, is bigger than just a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. It's bigger than just a church service on Sunday yeah. morning or Sunday evening, whenever you worship. It's much bigger than it. It's about how we live our lives in obedience, in alignment, and with mm-hmm. proximity to God. Mm-hmm. That's exceptional. I, I love that because I, I just want to dovetail on that, that worship is a lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, often we think, again, that it's that 20-minute minute portion in the service where uh, we, you know, sing a song to God, but at the very foundation of what worship is, it is who we are. It's, it's, it's how we live, you know, in the book of uh, second Chronicles, right around chapter number 29, um, Hezekiah, he spoke to the Levites and he said that God has chosen you Mm -hmm. to minister to him. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, I believe that as we live our life, as we find the purpose for which God has created us, God told Jeremiah, I ordained you, I called you to be a prophet unto the nations. And if Jeremiah was anything other than a prophet, he would not be giving pure worship unto God. And so I believe that worship is when we find who God has called us to be and we live in that uh, beness, if you will, uh, to the very fullest extent that is worship unto God. And, and as an extension of that uh, comes what we do in the Sunday morning setting or in the everyday setting, because uh, our worship is predicated upon the revelation that we have received about who God is and who we know we are. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. And when you really see uh, how great God is and how he deals with us uh, in in our human frame. Right. You can't help but give that God mm-hmm. a praise because you know that, that he doesn't have any reason to be associated with mm-hmm. us, but yet mm-hmm. he does. And okay. so that's what fuels our worship uh, to go to the next level. And if we don't see ourselves and we think we're all that, then of mm-hmm. course not. We're not going to uh, move into that level or that dimension of giving God what he is worthy of because it has not been revealed to us mm. who we are and who mm. he is. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. That is so good. You know, um, mm. I, I'm curious about, I mean, we know that the scriptures talks about, you know, all of our, you know, our works of righteousness, They're, you know, the things that we try to do in our own strength are like filthy rags unto God. Can you all yeah. talk about the relationship between holiness and worship? You see, I know people don't want to talk about holiness no more, but, uh, Okay. (laughs) And what, what, what is the relationship between that? Cause you know, the scriptures talk about strange fire and what happened when people did not worship God in the ways that God prescribed, what is the posture of a worshiper, um, particularly of a worship leader? How, how then should we live when we talk, when we think about the magnitude of this God um, and God's graciousness and mercy toward us? What is the relationship mm-hmm. between holiness and worship? What gives us that oil? How, what makes the song oily? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where is, where's the anointing, uh-huh. you know, reside? Well, if I, if I Dr. Emmett may jump mm-hmm. in right here, uh, it's interesting you should talk about oil because when I think of a worshiper, I think of Mary that broke her alabaster box. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, before the Lord. Um, she broke that box. Um, before him. And the thing about oil um, is that it cannot be derived unless there is a crushing. Mm -hmm. 
it, it, you know, the oil of the olive is derived from the olive when the olive is crushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the essential elements for our colognes and our perfumes and all of those kind of things come from the crushing of the flowers or the spices. Mm-hmm. And so as a worshiper, mm-hmm. there is going to be some element of crushing mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. lives to allow the oil to exude from yes. us. And so I, I think that understanding that um, and really coming in in a posture of a broken, the Bible declares that a broken and a contrite heart, God would not despise. There is an element of humility. Brokenness makes you humble. Come yes. on, somebody. Yes, yes, yes. That yes, going yes. through, it makes you yes. humble. You cannot have uh, an arrogancy about you uh, as a worshiper because they're antithetical. Mm. Those two those two words are antithetical. They do not, they cannot mm. coexist. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, as Mary, she poured that oil and that was expensive yes. oil that she uh, poured on the Lord. It, it was a place of broken. She broke the alabaster box. She didn't just take the top off. She broke it. And then the oil mm-hmm. flowed. And so mm-hmm. when we're talking about being a worshiper, it must be from a posture mm-hmm. of brokenness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and the, the follow up on that, you, you have to remember Paul and Silas in that jail. And it was the worship that Paul yeah. and Silas engaged in that not only broke them free, but saved the jailer's life. Right. Right. Because the jailer felt that he had betrayed his assignment and was mm-hmm. about to take himself out. And the holiness and the righteousness. And let me put this word that we don't like the justice well, of God in uh, that moment preserve that jailer's life, the very one who was in the process of doing them potential harm, that person was redeemed too. And so the holiness of the worshiper is not just about the worshiper, but it's about God's kingdom and God's Mm -hmm. people, which is why when Jesus taught us to pray, Jesus didn't use me, my I language. Jesus used we, our language, our father who art in heaven. Right. Yes. Give us yes. all of us, all of your children yes. daily mm-hmm. bread. Right. And yes. forgive all of us. Right. Our yes. trespasses as we. Right. And so that notion is what we find in the early church, particularly in Acts two. You know, for those of us who are church planners, we love Acts two verses <laughs> 42 to 47. We can recite <laughs> it by heart. Right. They, they were, you know, breaking bread. You know, taking the apostles teaching, they were praying fellowship. But when you get to the middle of that passage, it says that these worshipers, mm-hmm. yeah, they they liquidated all of their assets such that whoever didn't have was provided. Their needs yes, were provided according to God's riches in heaven. So that notion of holiness is to understand your alignment and your anointing. Yeah. There are things that God is calling you specifically to do. God has a purpose and a plan for you and your life. And beloved, it may not make sense to anybody else. It may not even make sense to you, which is why part of our prayer is to pray for understanding. We find this in Psalm 119, Old Testament prayers, when they was really trying to get close to the Lord, right? To pray for understanding of what this journey is. That's good. That's good. This is and then, then let me also <laughs> let me also uh, uh, add that holiness is not a long skirt. Yeah. That's yes, right. Yeah. That's right. That's yes. right. 
Holiness, the Bible says, thou art holy, thou, thou, thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 holiness just means to be different. Let's just bring it down to the simple, you know, it just means to be yeah. different. We're in the world, but we're not supposed to be That's of right. the world. Amen. And I think that, and God love it. I grew up in a classical Pentecostal church where you couldn't do anything but breathe. <laughs> and you were scared to do that too hard because you knew God was right, going to strike you right. down with a lightning mm-hmm. bolt. But one of the things I learned about God, I was a seven-year-old child and I could not make the reconciliation between the God that they were talking about in church and the God mm-hmm. that I was talking to when I got home. Yeah. I used to open up my, my window and talk to God mm. and he would talk back to me mm. and he would show me yes, things yes, yes. that I'm doing even now. And I would right. talk to him like I'm yes, talking yes, to you, yes. like a friend to a friend. And I could mm-hmm. not reconcile the fact that this is the yeah. God, he's going to kill you. He's going to strike you down. And and I'm like, that's not my, that's not the nature of my friend. Yeah, He's different. Mm-hmm. He's holy. He's mm-hmm. set apart. And so that's what Jesus tells us to do. That's what the Father tells us to do. And that's what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do, yes. to live differently, yes. not yes. to be common, mm-hmm. to have yes. another understanding. Oh, I'm, I'm, I just love the Yo. Lord. I, Amen. I, I, when, Amen. when you get a revelation <laughs> of who he is, yes. and it only takes place in really? worship. That's when it. Isaiah That's saw it. the Lord, he said, I saw the Lord. Yeah. He was high. He was lifted up. His train filled the temple. Then I saw myself. I said, oh, my God, woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. He saw himself first. He didn't point the finger. He saw himself first. Uh huh. See, that's what worship will do. Yes. That's it. You that's see it. yourself. That's it. That's yes. it. That's it. Yes. That's it. And, and, and then as he was in that pliable place of worship, when the Lord gave the call, he said, Lord, here I am. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I had to mm-hmm. see him first mm-hmm. as holy, as different. Mm-hmm. Then I could say, Lord, here I am. Mm-hmm. Send me. Mm-hmm. So holiness, just mm-hmm. being different. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? <laughs> okay, maybe we just need to get these microphones. <laughs> <laughs> And finally go on my vacation to Turks and Caicos and y'all just go ahead. Y'all keep pointing the people to Jesus because I am telling you, it is it is such a gift to hear you hear you both um show us Jesus from the word. It's just it's like um on the road of of, of, of Damascus. Emmaus, and, Emmaus. Emmaus, Emmaus. and then and just the way that we can see Jesus in the word yeah. um, mm-hmm. is just is what you just did for us. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. I um, so, so I was, I was looking on Instagram, which I think is a much healthier social media place than Twitter and all the others. So I'm, so I'm on Instagram and, uh, Dr. Judith, I see you going to a concert and you were going to, uh, a worship concert. It looks like it was outdoors. And I want to say it may have been like Maverick city. It's one of the kind of the, the, the newer groups. And I loved it because, uh, not only were you going as a worshiper, but you were also kind of a bit of an anthropologist. You were like, you were looking around, you were like, okay. Let me see what's happening here. And I mean, I just I felt like you were taking me on tour. <laughs> on a journey, right. <laughs> on a journey. And 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 uh-huh. you let you let us into kind of your reaction to that moment, what you, you know, how you were enjoying it. And then one of the things I remember you saying, something to the effect of, I'm a worshiper, I know what to do in this space. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like this is a little bit different than maybe what I'm used to, but but I know what to mm-hmm. do in this space. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and uh and so th- that's one thing I, I have in my mind, but but I'm also thinking about what are the characteristics of 
of the black worship experience. And I say that because it was clear to me in, in watching you navigate that space, you were comparing it to something else, but also committed to like, I'm going to show up and worship the Lord in this space. And I, I see the Lord at work here. Um, but but how would you how would you see that space um, distinct from the the black church worship experience? And this may be a question more so about music mm-hmm. or the ways in which people are called to use their body or the way they're encouraged to engage, both for both for you, uh, Dr. Judith, as well as for you, mm-hmm. Dr. Emmett. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm d- thinking about the distinctions of the black church worship experience. Mm-hmm. Dr. Emmett, you want to jump in? Well, let me let me do it maybe historically and, and culturally. Um, so there's a fallacy and there's a lie going on that has been perpetuated by white supremacist ideology via the white evangelical and white church that that white folks brought black folks Jesus. That is so let's just let's dispel that. Let's <laughs> yeah. dispel yeah. that. Right. So so we know that 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 Jesus um, had reached our African brothers and sisters, uh, those who are our ancestors, and some of them actually yeah. came to the United States you know, under under the bondage of human trafficking and mm-hmm. slavery as believers. And then we also know that there are uh, Black folks um, who were in uh, the UK and who were in various parts of Europe who were believers as well, who also made their way to the United States. So we got to dispel that lie. So within our Black um, cultural practice of being worshipers, we have always been embodied um, worshipers. We've always been um, uh, worshipers of authenticity, authenticity, excuse me. And we've also been worshipers of, of what I would say, uh, both the human experience, but also the natural ecological experience. We believe that God created the universe and from that clay came human beings. And our African ancestors across the entire continent understood the power of the land. Yes. So even when we got here to the United States, our ancestors understood the power of the land, which was why we were able to sustain ourselves, not in terms of food, but also to build everything that we needed from the ground up. And so our worship comes from that place of not needing to lean on, you know, things. We we, we don't need a sanctuary. We can go out to the Hush Harbor. We don't need a pipe organ. We can create a drum. We don't right. need these yeah. things. And And even when we didn't have access to the the uh, written Bible in terms of the intoned canonization of the Bible, we still knew the word because yes, the Holy Spirit came through us in that word and that revelation that Dr. McAllister was talking about. So in that sense, the other thing that we also understood, we didn't need uh, practical uh, realization of our dreams and our prayers because we knew that by and by, right, it, when the morning yeah. come, right, we understood that our eternal reward comes later. So we're not waiting on a manifestation of something in human mm-hmm. form. We, we, we understand that in God's time, all things will be revealed. We, we understand that soon and very soon we are going yeah. to see the king. So we understood that. So, so our, our ecclesiology and our eschatology actually had real gravitas mm-hmm. in terms of what we believe. And I'm not suggesting anybody else is superficial or whatnot, but that's where mm-hmm. we come from. 
So when we go through crisis and you two sisters walk with me in a very dark season uh, last yeah. summer, and I just thank God for you and for your encouragement and for you just being the phenomenal sister that you are supporting me. And you and, and, and I knew that everything was going to be all right if I put my faith and my trust in the Lord, which is why I shut down everything and went into my little closet and I stayed shut yeah. up in there until it was time to come out. And y'all read the eulogy. So, you know what I'm mm-hmm. doing now. God is a provider, a sustainer, a healer, a deliverer. Right. And so that's who we understand God to be on the black side of the house. That's right. I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Keep it on the That's right. <laughs> Listen, I think it no mistake that the, the Lord is very intentional. He's yes. strategic. He is. Um, he does things yes. on purpose. The very fact that he allowed his son to escape to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Come on now, Doc. Uh, Come on. Come on. Uh-huh. is is telling of the the protection, the the importance, um, just the the love that God had for him to be covered by that particular uh, geographical area. Now, uh, you know, we won't even get into the, the fact today that he could not have been lily white and hide in Egypt, but you know that's another <laughs> seminar for another day. I need a front row on that one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but but our experience, as Dr. Emmett has declared so very eloquently, has to do with understanding who we are, and and since we are so connected, as he stated, to the earth. Um, our bodies, let everything that hath yeah. breath, mm-hmm. ooh, praise the Lord. There was an element of, of liberty that we experienced. And even, you know, I think about how we moved to a place of um, when, when we were brought here to the Americas and, and surrounding areas, my, my parents are from uh, the West Indies. So I am, they were immigrants. Um, my father from uh, Jamaica, my mom from Barbados. And so that's the class of uh, clash of cultures yep, right yes. there. Mm-hmm. And then being brought here to the Americas. But because of it, I was privy to so much um, uh, uh, lively worship yes. and just the expression of, of our bodies. And, and I remember going to a conference, I'm a segue here, and going to a conference that was uh, a worship conference. And they stated in the conference that much of what we do as African-Americans um, is heathenistic and um, it was tethered to the ground. And when I tell you that that experience, mm. it just mm-hmm. indelibly was etched mm-hmm. in my mind of the mm-hmm. ignorance yes. of those that really did not mm-hmm. understand that the Bible declares that every nation, every culture, right. every creed right. shall Absolutely. give him praise. Right. Now, that, that's why we can't go to another culture and tell them how to praise the Lord, because right. praise is a vehicle. Mm. Worship is the destination. Oh, come on now, Doc. Come on. And, and I have, I may have a bicycle, mm-hmm. right? It may take me a little longer, but I have, I have some place to go. And when I, when I get to that place, then I can come out of my vehicle mm-hmm. and do what I'm supposed okay. to do. And so I think, you know, that, that the end of this, um, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Emmett talked a minute ago about justice. 
Mm-hmm. And 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 the, the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples, which is really not the Lord's prayer, it's the example exactly. prayer that's, that's that he gave them uh, to pray, uh, 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 our Father. Yeah. So so you can't be against me in the body of Christ. Come on now, and and call him well. your Father, which art in heaven. Bless us. It's 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 not it's a community. It's yeah. not just and and please understand me. I I, I we're talking about mm-hmm. the black church. But we cannot, as yeah. black people, That's it. look to the other side and condemn mm. them That's it. and call them anything other than what mm. they are. It. Because at the end yes. of the day, our spirits don't have a color. That's right. Come on now. That's our a good spirits word. don't have a color. That's a good word. But what you see before mm-hmm. you right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. is indicative. And it tells you who I am supposed to initially reach. That's right. That's Jesus right. said, That's go right. ye into all the world. Go into Jerusalem, which was their home. home. Then in Samaria. Then That's you go right. out a little bit further. Yep. Then at the uttermost parts right. of the earth. That's but right. I'm supposed to reach Jerusalem. That's right. And so when you look at it as praise Ooh. being a vehicle, mm-hmm. you get in praise. You engage in praise. Mm-hmm. But you're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. When you get there, you don't stay in your vehicle. <laughs> You get out of your vehicle and you do what is necessary. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So, so when we talk about worship, my God, mm. <laughs> when we talk about the presence of God, when we talk about the fact that praise and all the levels of worship, all the levels of praise and Tehillah being the only level that we know that God inhabits, mm-hmm. that's coming out of everything that 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 got us there yeah. and worshiping him in what spirit, spirit. And, in truth. Yeah. and in truth and in that's truth. what jesus told the woman of the world well that's right. that's he said right. you know she went to my father's worship at this mountain she tried to get cultural <laughs> with him mm-hmm. but jesus said listen no 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 I, i'm mm-hmm. not after that yeah you, you have to come mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. but when you get to the destination mm-hmm. and i am so mm-hmm. thankful for my African roots. Come on now. I'm thankful that I can pick them up and put them down. That's right. I'm thankful that I can give God praise Come with on. my body. Yes. I'm thankful for the drumming. I'm yes. thankful for all of the ability to sing three-part harmony without yes. thinking about it. Yes. yes. I'm yes. thankful for all of that. God has given that to yes. us. Yes. But there comes a time, not that we leave that. That has brought us to this place. Mm-hmm. That's right. But that we engage That's on right. another level. Another level. That's right. Because of revelation. Yeah. That's right. And I think what's missing now in our churches yes. is revelation. Yes, of yes, yes. Who God is. Yes. God doesn't care about our beat. That's right. God doesn't care about the movement of our body. That's for us. That's right. That's for us. That's right. But when we get in worship, when we forget about who we are, but we remember who we are. Come on now, Doc. There is a connection in the spirit. And let me tell you something. I'll be quiet after this. I am an African-American female. I've been in circles that do not look too kindly upon African-American females. Okay. But because I understand that my spirit is just like his. Amen. Yes. That I have a connectivity to him. Yes. Mm. Nothing can stop mm-hmm. me. That's right. That's right. Not even this outer That's extremity, right. Right. what you see, or the fact that people, as the Bible declares, man looks on the outward yeah. appearance, but God mm-hmm. looks on the heart. heart. People do look at the outward appearance and they'll judge you according Absolutely. to it. Mm-hmm. But because of worship mm-hmm. and because I understand that I am a son of God. Mm-hmm. Son has nothing to do with with sex. It has nothing to do with gender. 
I am a son of God right now. I'm a son of God. And I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Yes. Come on. Mm-hmm. And I'm seated in heavenly places mm-hmm. with Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. What you see will Come not on. stop me. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Oh my God today. Mm-hmm. Wow. Dr. Price and Dr. McAllister, mm-hmm. y'all are preaching, preaching so much. I got to go to a quick commercial break and come right back because I got a question <laughs> and we got to get to it. So, <laughs> so don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Bishop T.D. Jake says Wrong Lanes Have Right Turns by Michael Phillips is a heart-wrenching and triumphant story that will change lives. It is the unforgettable true story of one man bringing awareness and change after escaping the school-to-prison pipeline. Michael Phillips would never become anything. At least, that's what he was told. It seemed like everyone was waiting for him to fall through the cracks. After losing his father, suffering a life-altering car accident, and losing his college scholarship, Michael turned to selling drugs to make ends meet. But he was arrested and thrown into a living nightmare. At his sentencing, the judge gave him a choice. Go to a special college program for youth or face the possibility of a 30-year prison sentence. From that choice, a mission was born to help change the system that shuffles so many young black men like Michael straight from school to prison. In this inspiring, thought-provoking, and energizing book, Michael provides a way forward to anyone wanting to help create space for collateral hope in the lives of young people around them. Learn more at michaelphillipsbook.com. That's michaelphillipsbook.com. Black women have been at the forefront of social change for generations. Harriet Tubman, Dorothy Height and Shirley Chisholm are familiar names. Less familiar is their leadership style, which has influenced a whole new generation of girls and women. In Unbossed and Black Girls Unbossed, educator, advocate, and award-winning author Christy Lauren Adams offers stories from the front lines of modern Black girlhood to inform and inspire. Unbossed, How Black Girls Are Leading the Way is an insightful inquiry into the lives of eight young Black women who are agitating for change and imagining a better world. Black Girls Unbossed, Young World Changers Leading the Way, is the brightly illustrated companion book specifically written and designed for readers ages 9 to 12. We will be hearing about the young Black women you meet in these books for decades to come. Like their foremothers in earlier freedom movements, Black girls are transformational leaders. They are pace setters, strategic thinkers, visionaries, mobilizers, activists, and more. Their stories may often be overlooked, but Black girls are leading the way. Get your copies of Unbossed and Black Girls Unbossed now anywhere books are sold. Woo, y'all, we are back at the table. And the Shekinah glory. I don't know if y'all can feel it, but it's <laughs> thick. It's thick up in here, y'all. And, okay, so y'all were, t- okay, you were talking about the levels of worship. And I was actually going to ask y'all about, let's, can y'all talk to us about spiritual warfare and worship and the weapons of our warfare and how, you know, how does one um, begin to think you know, about the unseen realm when we are entering into worship? You know, this is a very important question and one that we don't spend enough time in, in the church house, because uh, not enough uh, of our clergy uh, colleagues will actually address the fact that even Jesus articulated that Satan exists. And Jesus even faced Satan, you know, uh, head on 
Um, Paul talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, rulers yes, and high yes, places. Yes. Right. And and so in that sense, we and and we sing. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. I promised <laughs> yep. him that I would, you know, serve until I die. Right. You know, we are soldiers That's in God's right. army. We, you know, we can know all the hymns. Mm-hmm. We know all the hymns. But yet there's something about not being willing to lay our life down yeah. for this journey. Mm-hmm. And as worshipers, I think one of the things that we have to really acknowledge and learn is that when God anoints you and appoints you in this space, in particular, people talk about the Levitical order yes. and whatnot, that you, 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 you know, that Jesus taught us, not my will, but thine mm-hmm. will be done. And that means that we are putting ourselves willingly in harm's way because we have to show the people who are following us that the Lord will provide, that the Lord will fight your battle if you just stand still, that if God says go, then you need to go. And so, and, and, and I will tell you honestly, where I learned this was not in the Baptist church of my upbringing, which is Trinity Baptist Church in Los Angeles. When we got through with service, we would all carpool. And this is the whole young, you know, all the young people. This was a silver stocking black church in Los Angeles. And all the young people, as soon as we sang that, you know, uh, threefold amen, we would all <laughs> pony up and get, get in the car and we would ride down the street to Crenshaw Boulevard. We'd make a right turn off of Jefferson where we were. And we would find a little parking spot over at West Angeles right. Church of God in Christ. And, and we would catch the end of Bishop Blake's <laughs> sermon. And, and, and then we would see uh, the, the conclusion of service. And then we would stay and hang out for the next mm. service. So that we would catch the beginning of the next service, where, by the way, Dr. Judith McAllister was leading. And so in many ways, I learned about spiritual warfare and I learned about how to leverage the 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 fruit of the spirit Mm -hmm. as part of the bomb in preparation. I learned how to leverage the whole armor of God as part of the bomb in preparation for what. It means when you declare that you are serving God and following Jesus, you got a bullseye on your forehead and your back head, and you got to be willing and ready for that spiritual warfare to come at you. And I just, I'm so grateful for the ministry of Dr. McAllister for yeah. many, many years of, of her and, and, you know, how she just led those of us who she didn't even mm. know she was leading in that mm. moment. Cause we would, we would drive down away. the streets yes. to, to come and sit under the anointing of this beloved sister who knew that God had put her on assignment and, and she was teaching and preaching and, yes. and, and, and through the music. Yes. And I understand some of the gender dynamic that was in the church back in the day. But as this young, as this young brother right here, I would sit under the yes, tutelage right. and under the ministry of this dear sister, because there was something different about her. There was something, and it wasn't musical. She's a phenomenal gifted musician, but there was something different about the word that was coming through mm-hmm. her vessel. And we, all of us mm-hmm. came down. So I praise God for you, my dear sister. Yeah. Thank you. Well, to God be the glory. I, I'm I'm honored to be used of God in this space. And, uh, you know, you talk about the bullseye. <laughs> I tell you, it's 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 it goes. People think that uh, the true ministry. I, I have a um, a uh, prayer ministry. We pray every morning, five a.m. here at, at the West Coast, and people from all over the country. And I shared with them this morning that um, <laughs> an intercessor is one that is not often celebrated. Yes. Um, and, and as a worshiper, 
you're also an intercessor. Yes. That's right. Okay. David in the scripture, he was a prophet, priest, and king. He 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 fulfilled all of the personifications, even of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. And one of those was intercessor. Mm-hmm. He, if you look through the Psalms, um, you know, the rest of the word speaks to us, but the Psalms speak for us. Yes. And and you hear a lot of 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 the supplication, a lot of the prayers that are going forth in worship unto God. And that's why I tell songwriters, you've got to have the word of God in your music. If you have the word of God in your music, it will outlast, uh, uh, you know, just the changing times. Now you talked about spiritual warfare and, and, you know, I used to be of the kind of like, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. You know, you know, our classical Pentecostalism, right, Dr. Emmett? We just, we just casting the devil out. And there is a place for that. Don't yeah. misunderstand me. There yeah. is a place for that. However, again, if you go back to that prayer that Jesus gave to the disciples, one of the things he said, he said, Lord, deliver us yes. from yeah. evil. He did not directly address yeah. the devil. That's right. He addressed his yeah. God, God who would address yes. the enemy. Now, see, that's, that's the connectivity. Right. If you have a connectivity with that's your right. God, your God Amen. will fight your battles Amen. for you. We have the weapons of the word. The word of God is what Jesus used when he came into that level of temptation. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He said, it is written, uh, uh, you shall serve the Lord and only him shall you serve. It is written. And so we have to know yes. the word of God as musicians. You're talking about music and worship in the black church. Listen, you've got to have the word of God. So it just begins yes. to rattle off in you so that you have no place of doubt, no place. Of course, we're going to have things that, um, that, that arise in our lives that will kind of shake yes. our faith. And I've been through so many things that would shake our faith, but in that time, that word of God will begin to bubble up and begin to uh, encourage me because Jesus is the word and the word is with God and the word was God. And so when you use the word, you're using God. Come on, somebody. That's a revelation. That's a revelation. That's a revelation. Now, the Bible declares in Psalm, I believe it is 149. It says, let the high praises of God be on their mouth and the two edged sword in their hand. What is the two edged sword? The word of God. Come on. OK, so you got the praise and you got the word. Two edged sword in their hands. Two do what? Execute vengeance upon the heathen, uh, um, uh, uh, punish their nobles. And I, I may not be mm-hmm. d- quoting it right, but it talks about the nobles and the fetters, uh, the kings with the fetters of iron. This honor has all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. I am of the persuasion, my sisters mm-hmm. and brothers, that we have uh, put such a weight on spiritual warfare mm-hmm. when that's what God is supposed mm-hmm. to do. Yes, that is good. good. Yeah, that's good. Jehaziel, the Levite, Mm -hmm. when the spirit of God came upon him after Jehoshaphat Mm -hmm. had set the children of Judah to fast. uh, It's interesting that the spirit of the Lord came upon a Levite. Mm -hmm. That's right. If you look at his lineage, he is a Levite. And he said, you will not need to stand in this battle. Set yourself, stand still, see the salvation of God. Well, they didn't go with battle. They didn't go with with Mm -hmm. with swords and with bombs and all of grenades. What did they do? They use the weapon of their, come on, praise. praise. And as right. they began to say, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. They mm-hmm. sang it over and mm-hmm. over and over mm-hmm. and over again that the Lord himself mm-hmm. sat in ambushments. That is the mm-hmm. model that we That's ought good. to use. And not only did God set ambushments, but he set up the children of Judah and made mm-hmm. them rich. Yes. Three days they had to take, mm-hmm. hallelujah, the spoil. And so your praise 
will come against the enemy. Look at what happened with um, with with Gideon as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible says that they took the light and they put it in the lamp and then they broke yeah. the lamp and they said the sword of the Lord out of Gideon and the Lord took care of their enemies. Listen, I don't know who's listening to this. I don't know who this is for, but you, you, you're complaining too much. Take that same energy. Take that same yeah. breath. Take that same posture, that mm. same intensity that you would do to use it for complaining and talking about how unfair it is. Take that same thing and flip it and give God praise and worship. Mm. And I guarantee you, God may not change the situation, but he'll change yeah. your view. He'll mm. change you to be able to Amen. deal with it. And you'll come out on top mm. all the time. Mm. I'm a mm. witness. Mm. He did it for me Amen. and he can do it for you. One last thing I want to say. Mm. One last thing. When the disciples came back to Jesus after he had sent them out two by two, he sent them out and they came back and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. What did Jesus say? Rejoice not that the demons are subject. What is he saying there? He's saying that's supposed to happen. If you live in line with my word, my will and in my presence, that's supposed to happen. Mm. That, that should be no shock or surprise to you. Mm. Rejoice rather mm-hmm. that your name is written in the yeah, Lamb's Lamb book of life. life. There is that connectivity again. The Bible declares that Jesus, as he began to walk, demons began to cry out. Listen, mm-hmm. we win at the end of the day. God is on our side and we mm-hmm. win. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll just I'll just stop right there. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying I'm this. this is wonderful. I'm lo- it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we have all kinds of people who listen to Truth Table and we are just so grateful um, just for the diversity of listeners. And 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 one of those groups, which I don't know how large it is, but I, I would be willing to say it's probably larger than we realize are people that are done with the church because yeah. they believe the church is done with them. Yeah. They they are hurt. They are wounded. Yeah. They are exhausted. Yeah. And they have in their ear uh, every voice that is justifying mm-hmm. their departure. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the voices that seem that seem most trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love mm-hmm. for you to worshipers mm-hmm. to speak to those beloved people who listen mm-hmm. in. <laughs> Um, who, who might be far, far, far from a, from a, from a worship leader or from mm-hmm. a pulpit, but they listen into this podcast. I would love for you to speak whatever God is laying mm-hmm. on your heart mm-hmm. to those people who are listening, who are broken, who mm-hmm. are hurt, who are exhausted, who are afraid of the church right now. Frankly, yeah, yeah. yeah what no. would you have to share with them? Oh, this 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 is a beautiful opportunity here. Let, first of all, let me apologize mm. to you. Let me apologize yes. to you for the trauma that you've experienced and for the oppression that you have seen that has been done in vain, that it perhaps may have been done in the name of God, in the name of Jesus. That's not God's work. That's mm-hmm. not Jesus' work. And so I apologize mm-hmm. to you because the love of God empowers me to say to you, I hear your pain. I see yes. your hurt. And all of that mm-hmm. matters. It matters. So rather than to get defensive about what was done and rather than to get to a place of trying to uh, parse out, you know, who had it coming and for what reason, I just want to simply say to you, I am sorry. I'm sorry that you feel and experience what you did. And I want to say to you, too, that if Truth's Table is your Mm -hmm. church, then I want you to pull up a seat every episode and buckle your belt and Mm -hmm. stay here. Lock it in here because, see, the church is Mm -hmm. the body. The church is the aggregation of believers. The church is the people. 
And we've done so much edifying buildings and empire building and building kingdoms. And the reality is that if you find a safe space here to be loved, to be appreciated, to be valued, then I want you to pull up to the table every and any time that you can and allow this to be your sacred space. Because these two sisters here, these two midwives, they have been anointed and appointed for this season. And as a brother, I'm here to tell you, not that you need my validation, I want you to know how blessed you are to be in fellowship with Mm. these two sisters. So I apologize for what has happened to you. It has happened to a lot of people and it is wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. But don't allow somebody else's wrong to hold you hostage from what God has for you. And so if you can find the strength, the courage, the persistence and the determination to seek ye first the kingdom of God, even if it's not in the church, then I want you to Mm. do that. And I want to be an encourager Mm. for you. Mm. Excellent. That, that, that is, doctor, you have just wrapped that up. (laughs) (laughs) That, that is excellent. And uh, if I were just to put a little tiny sprinkle Mm -hmm. on that Sunday, I would like to say God loves you just the way you are. Mm -hmm. And we started this conversation out talking about the aspect of a worshiper. We talked about the Mm -hmm. crushing. And oftentimes your crushing becomes the extent of who you are going to be in the future and who Mm -hmm. you can help. And even it could be something that um, could really help to lift someone else. And, And we are all, you know, that song, if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody that they are traveling wrong, then my living will not be mm-hmm. in vain. One of the things, and we're still in Black History yes, yeah. Month, that that uh, Harriet Tubman said was the fact that I was bound yeah. and I did not want to be bound anymore. And I didn't want my fellow man yes. to be bound. And who knows that what you experience may help you to shine a light mm-hmm. on somebody else's mm-hmm. life. Yeah. God loves you. And as he said, we're sorry for everything that you've experienced, the trauma, it does matter. Um, And uh, God is going to use you right where you are. You don't have to be in the four walls of Mm -hmm. the church. And, and uh, wow, that, that is so, so impactful what you said, doctor, that, you know, we, we have, we have celebrated buildings and celebrated positions and posture. And when you start doing that and you make gods unto things and people, when God is the only one that we should worship, you'll always find yourself getting mm-hmm. in trouble. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe it's you are the one to help to shine the light on yeah. us. So be encouraged. As he said, stay right here. Don't move. Allow this um, um, particular platform to encourage you and build you so that you can be the best that God has called you to be. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Emmett G. Price and Dr. Judith McAllister for taking a seat at the table with us. Thank you so very much. Well, we want to thank, oh my goodness, we want to thank Chris House. We want to thank Dr. Teresa Harrison. We want to thank Dr. Judith McAllister. We want to thank Dr. Emmett Price for sitting at the table with us. And of course, we want to thank all of y'all, our sisters at the table for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. 
tweet us your thoughts about this episode, State of the Black Church, worship, using the hashtag Truth Table. Black women, did y'all know we have a Facebook discipleship group now? Make sure to follow Truth Table on Facebook and join our Facebook group today. Invite your homegirls too. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table, or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account, so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable, or you can bless us at our paypal.me slash truthstable. Truth Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. Our video producer is Daryl Bradford. And we have been your hosts, Akemini and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.